Congregation, Christ suffered. He suffered hellish agonies. He had not sinned one single sin. He had not had one evil inclination of heart. He knew no sin. But he had experienced such hellish sufferings. Why is that? Is that really needed? Did Christ do suffer, did he need to suffer so badly? Did he have to uh, experience such a cursed, painful, long death? Why? I also could ask a similar question. Why is there a hell? Why is there a hell? Why do we need the cross? Those questions are close, are related. And so many don't understand why they need the cross. Because they don't see the sense of a hell. And I tell you, if you don't understand what hell is about, then you cannot understand either what the cross is about. So this morning I'd like to explain more about hell. So that we see the necessity of the cross. Right? It is the Passion Sunday, so I'd like to focus on the death of the Lord Jesus, on his hell is agonies, from the perspective of hell. Why such overkill? Why such an exaggeration? Really? Could the Lord not just simply forgive and simply ignore sin? We know, we know it. Nobody is perfect. We all make mistakes. We agree on that. We have weaknesses, okay? We call them sin, but do, do we deserve eternal punishment, infinite punishment? Do we, do we deserve that, really? Well, so many say today, I do my best, I make mistakes, I have weaknesses, but I don't deserve hell. That's such an exaggeration that is overdoing it. But we learn from the Bible that it is. It is deserved. So let us read the verses for this morning. Matthew 11, the verses 20 through 24. Then began he to abrade the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done. Because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. 
But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee have been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. So far, God's wrath differs. The theme for this morning, God's wrath differs. Three thoughts. God's wrath against the Gentiles. We read in this text about Tyre and Sidon and also about Sodom. So the first word, God's wrath against the Gentiles, the pagans, the heathens. Secondly, God's wrath against Israel. Three cities are called Capernaum and Bethsaida and Chorazin against Israel. And the third place, God's wrath against his son. So as a passion, Sunday, we also focus on the death and the hallucinations of Christ. How intolerable. How impossible. How full. He absorbed the undivided wrath of God. So God's wrath differs. God's wrath against the Gentiles. God's wrath against Israel. God's wrath against his son. Congregation, children, you know the map of Israel, don't you? You see that mountain range in the middle. And you see the Dead Sea at the bottom of the south. And you see the Sea of Galilee in the north. Let's go there. Let's go to the north. And you see at the north coast of the lake of the Sea of Galilee, I see three cities in a triangle. We call it the missionary triangle of the Lord Jesus. It is about those three places, Capernaum, Bethsaida, and Chorazin. And the Lord Jesus spoke so often there. The Lord says, homeland, especially Capernaum, that he has a house to dwell in. And the disciples also came originally from this area. So the Lord Jesus did many miracles there. He spoke in the synagogues, and the people listened to him. But I see something in the beginning of this chapter. I see that many are very critical. 
they have seen and heard John the Baptist. Simple man that they thought so strict, so legalistic, so narrow-minded. So they had no use for him. And Lord Jesus spoke, and he was not a hermit. Not a hermit. He was more liberal. And they called him a vinebibber and a friend of publicans and sinners. So they were very critical of the Lord Jesus. And now the Lord Jesus was critical of them. Then began he to upbraid the cities in most of his mighty words are done because they repented not. So he began to upbraid the cities, to accuse, to blame the cities in the north of Israel because they repented not. And he compares them with the pagan cities, the cities of Tyre and Sidon in Lebanon, and the previous city of Salem, known from Salem and Gomorrah. He speaks that a judgment day will come. Right? You see it at the bottom of verse 24. But I say unto you that shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. And there is a day of judgment coming. Do we know that? Beloved congregation, young, old, boys, girls, you need to move. Someday you need to move. Is it house you are in? What city is it? Someday you have to move out. Someday you have to leave. You can't stay in Chile forever. You can't enjoy the phase of very for an infinite time. There comes an end to it. And I don't mean that you need to call a mover and you need to have boxes filled with your stuff and they bring it to the moving truck and bring it to a new place. I, I mean something else. You will also move in a way that you can take anything along. Nothing. 1 Timothy 6. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. So someday you move out to a casket, a funeral, your soul going somewhere to, to eternal destiny. There is a judgment that you die. A temporary judgment. And there is a final judgment after the resurrection. Uh, just a, 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 a judgment. It's a in the day of judgment 
than for thee. Now it is our default to be unconverted. And you don't have to do anything in order to go to hell. You don't have to do anything with it. This goes by itself. The Lord doing that. That's the one possibility. But it's also possible that someone is saved and is acquitted and may also go home and see God and be with the saints, with his people and the angels, enjoying God's favor, delighting in God's nearness, experiencing the comfort of the Lord. Why is it that even Gentiles, if nothing happens, go to hell? What did they do? Have they deserved that? Well, congregation, a judge matches the crime with the punishment. A good judge does things through well and comes to a conclusion for this crime beneath this punishment. And we know that not all sins are the same, right? Children, I don't recommend stealing a cookie. That is not right. But that's not the same as stealing a car. And being rude to the dog is not wise. As being rude to your mom is quite different. And doing something to people is horrible. Doing something to God. This is, it, it, it has an infinite side to it. Which the Lord must deal with. No, there is no overreaction. The Lord does not overplay and downplay. The Lord always punishes in a just way. And we need to keep in mind that the Lord is God and infinite. When people think that sin is only doing something wrong to people, you don't understand how. But you are not only doing wrong things to people, to your wife, to your sister, your son, and your mother, and your friends, and we don't only cause harm among each other. It is sin against God. And that makes it so serious. It makes it so damnable. And therefore the Lord must deal with it. Sin against him is infinite and is horrible and therefore also deserves hell. I was studying this and I came across the example of Hitler. You know Hitler, right? Suppose she would have killed millions more in Asia, in South America, and 
where do you think he, he deserves to go? If there would not be a God. If God would not exist. Would he deserve hell? You would say, I think so. I don't think so. If there is no God, if Hitler has not sinned against God, there is a finite punishment. Even if he would have killed billions more, it will come to an end someday. But he has sinned, we have sinned against the Almighty, against the holy, good doing, infinite God. And that makes sin so heinous. It is a sin against the Almighty One. He is himself the beautiful reality in the universe. And people not feeling attracted to God. That is the most horrible thing. People not being attracted to the beauty and the justice and the kindness and the characters and the attributes of God. That, that's that's, that's really sin. That causes infinite outrage of God against the Gentiles as well, against atheists as well, yes, failing to glorify God, failing to honor Him, although there's such infinite beauty and greatness and glory. Christ needs to be magnified. And you read it also in Romans. In Romans, you see the explanation of that. That even the Gentiles deserve hell. Let me read it to you from Romans 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against our ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Our people who hold the truth in unrighteousness, hold down, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Even the Gentiles know something of God. Romans 1 verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God has showed it unto them. God has showed to the Gentiles who he is. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, be understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Romans 1, verse 20. No excuse. 
people in the Amazon. People unknown, do, do not know God, have not read the Bible. They yet deserve hell. Because it's because of the fall in Adam, that they don't understand God. Although they kind of know him. The Lord knows that the Gentiles also deserve wrath and even one sin against God is worthy of hell. But before we go to the same, same, same thought, just a, a question. If you have, I would have asked the, 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 the Jews in the time, what is the most ungodly city in you, you, you know of? Do they say, oh, that's, that's not a difficult question. That's Sodom, right? Sodom and Gomorrah with all the lost things and the sexual sins and the greed and the worldliness as of Sodom. What will you say? What's the worst, most ungodly city in North America? Will it be San Francisco or New Orleans or LA? We have a certain perception of what evil is. And we feel that certain sins are way worse than others. You're right. But the Lord Jesus is going to teach those people who think that Sodom is the worst. Actually, Capernaum is worse. Capernaum is worse than Sodom. So we, individually, as a congregation, as a city, might be worse than San Francisco. Lord. Second thought. God's wrath against Israel. He began to upgrade the cities that in most of his might were done. Because they repented not. So the Lord Jesus mainly worked in the north of Israel in the Mystery Triangle. And they did not repent. They liked his miracles. They liked to see the multiply of the bread. They liked to see that eyes were opened and that people could jump and leave and walk again. But the Lord Jesus is upbraiding them, blaming them, because he did so many mighty works, mighty miracles, her mighty service as well. And they repented not. They repented not. That's just the most horrible thing you can read about in the Bible. That's verse 10, Sodom. 
Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which are done in you have been done in time, Sidon, they would have repented. Lord, already in sackcloth and ashes. But you haven't. You have heard the servants of the Lord Jesus. You have seen his miracles in Bethsaida, in Chorazin, in Capernaum. And you have not paid attention. Not really. You have not repented. You have not express your sorrow. You have not turned unto me. I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for time and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. So if I understand well, there are different levels in hell. There are there's hell in, in general for the Gentiles, the people that did not really know much, the people ignorant, they also go to hell. But there's also a deeper level, deep pits of hell. Like in the heaven, there's also differences in places. We let it go now. In hell, a place that is more tolerable or more intolerable than others. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted, exalted unto heaven, bids the Lord also follow them and privilege them and bless them and gave them so many means and so many Servants, in a way you exalted into heaven. It shall go down to hell. For if the mighty works which are done, been done in thee, have been done in Sodom, it would have remained. Capernaum, if the Lord Jesus would have done the same things to Saul and Gomorrah as he did among you, they would have remained still. They would not have been burned down. I sent it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in that day, in the day of judgment, than for thee. So the judgment day is coming. And what will it be for us? What shall the end of it be? Because the Lord Jesus is also doing much to us. And giving us many blessings and many privileges. And have we repented? So do you think that you are Worse than the people in Los Angeles living in sin, not being ashamed of it, 
living in sodomy, living in greed, living for the world, living in disobedience to God. If we don't repent, we have worse off. We do something worse. Why is it worse? So let me try to explain it to you. Why is it worse? It makes all the difference if we know the truth. Knowing the way and not doing it. Like Lord Jesus spoke also on the, on the issue in the parable of the wise and the foolish builder. The wise builder is the builder who hears and also does. And the foolish builder is the son who hears and is not doing it. So you hear. You hear. How many times have you heard a sermon? Or have you been exposed to the Bible and, 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 and the truth? Have you repented? If not, that's worse. Because you know the way. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. So one of the things by our sins are worse is because we know it so well. We know the Bible, we know the doctrine, we even discuss the doctrine, we say it's not right, that's not wrong. We defend the doctrine, we are fond of the doctrine, we defend it to the core. Good. But have you repented? If you have not repented, it's worse than Sodom. It's less tolerable to them because God has been especially so good to them. And especially they have been so good and so gracious and so long-suffering towards them. You would expect something else. Remember his marvelous works that he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and the wonders works. Have you not seen something of that? So we need to, we, we know the truth and we may not do the truth. And the Lord has been so gracious to us, has been, has been blessing us in so many, so, many, so many ways. Also, when we have sinned longer, repeatedly, continually, your whole life long, repenting, resisting the Holy Spirit, Oh, let's talk of for the arrogant. The arrogant. The Pharisees. 
And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. It's less, 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 less tolerable. Less tolerable for them. They are so resisting and provoking him in spite of all the goodness. Less tolerable to the hypocrites. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe and mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These are ye to have done, and not to have left the other undone. Ye blind guides who strain at a net and saw a camel. Born to the scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye may clean outside of the cup of the platter, wherein they are full of extortion and excess. Now, blind Pharisees, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter. The outside of them may be clean also. So we externalize sin. We miss a few sins we are focused on. We forget about the inward sins. Want to describe for you like unto white sepulchres, indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of our uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous unto men. But when you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity, see, sins are different. Some sin is sins against your own body. Flee fornication, every sin that a man doeth his spirit out of the body. But he that committed fornication sins against his own body. It is especially hurtful when the Lord invites sinners to in, by, by the gospel and they ignore it. The wrath of God abided on them. So the Lord Jesus speaks about hell and tells the people of Capernaum Chorazin and Bethsaida, that they will be worse off. So, so in this morning, you're worse off than the people that don't know. You come to the end of your life, and there is the door of hell going open for you. The deepest pits of hell are for them that have not repented. In spite of all their goodness and long suffering of the Lord. And yet, the Lord Jesus came. And the Lord Jesus wanted to experience the wrath of God. He wanted to absorb it, to yet save an unrepentant people unto Him. Hurt part. 
congregation, I cannot explain how the Lord Jesus felt under the exposure to the wrath of God. His only begotten Son, who had not sinned on, he was exposed to that infinite wrath of his Father. He had not sinned on sin. It was intolerable. It was heinous. Imagine, think of the nails being hammered through his hands, hang on the hands, hang on the wounds, and being so thirsty, being so left alone by his disciples, having to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, being without God's nearness, without tasting God's favor. It was horrible. And he could escape. No, he couldn't. He had promised his father and promised his that he would not escape. So he was willingly exposed to the wrath of God on the cross. Such a cursed, such a long death. And he had not been arrogant. He had not been hypocrite. He had been just so upright, so sincere, so kind. There was no reason to do anything about it. But he yet was there to do this. Let me just explain also the difference with the Heidelberg Catechism and with uh, Kenzo Lord. Lord 15 of Heidelberg, question 37. What does that understand by the words he suffered? And so that he, all the time that he lived on earth, but especially at the end of his life, sustained in body and soul the wrath of God against the sins of all mankind. The sins, the wrath of God against the sins of all mankind. The undivided package, the total of suffering necessary for saving everyone. No, he did not die for everyone, but he died enough for everyone. So he took it all in. I think of the Kenzo Lord, the second head of doctrine. You may, you, you may want to read this this afternoon, the second chapter. Let me start with Article 3. The death of the Son of God is the only and most perfect sacrifice and satisfaction for sin. 
and is of infinite worth and value, abundantly sufficient to expiate the sins of the whole world. That's what our forefathers said. That is found in the Bible. I read further. This death derives its infinite value and dignity from these considerations because the person who submitted it was not only a real man and perfectly holy, but also the only begotten Son of God and of the same eternal and infinite essence in the Father and the Holy Spirit with, with qualifications were necessary, were necessary to constitute him a savior for us. Again, read it chapter for yourself. Catch the Lord, chapter two. So you have heard the truth your whole life, probably. How do you think you shall escape? How shall we escape if we neglect such great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Or oh, see it in Hebrews 12. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, most more shall not he escape. If we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. This is a warning. May the Holy Spirit bring it to your heart. If you are still unrepentant, that's worse than the worst sin in the world. Not repenting and being exposed to so much goodness and the truth. He that despised Moses, Moses' law, Died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much sore punishment suppose he shall he be found worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and an holy thing. And has done despite unto the spirit of grace. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, said the Lord. And again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Please think about it. It can come so sudden. You have to move alone. Anything that you can take along. 
Nothing. You stay with the Lord. How shall you escape if you have neglected such great salvation? But the feeble thing to fall in the hands of the living God. The Lord says, You know, I expressed my kindness to you. I invited you. You kept going your own way for so long. You're so hypocritical. You were speaking to sell your mouth. Defend the truth. And not, not repenting. Repent, you repent. Some of you have. Right? It's wonderful. In sackcloth and ashes would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Have you repented? Also repented of this sin? Maybe you have admitted many sins. Have you admitted this sin? Have you admitted the sin of not, not, not repenting? If you don't confess that sin, you just don't understand it. It is major. It's essential. It's the crux. There'll be something. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So realizing the terror of God, I must try to persuade you. But we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also are made, made manifest in your consciences. And of course, the well known verse in the Bible is not until John 3.16. But let me just quote it again. And just connect it to the sermon. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. You will perish. But if you believe in him, you will not perish. I think of this last verse in John 3. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Still there. Can you live today? You just leave the church building this morning and just go home and have coffee and just have your lunch and just don't think about it anymore. Don't think about it anymore. Where the wrath of God hang over you because you're worse than San Francisco and worse than people living in town and in sin and in sexual lust. Capernaum was worse than Sodom. 
Have you become bruised and solemn? Have you come to the place you say, Lord, I am the chief of the sinners. I am worse than anyone else. I am worse than the people I know. The Lord continues with his work. But think of this hellish suffering. I hope it may also motivate you to seek God. It is so real. Seek Him. It's going to happen. You'll die. You'll move out. So important also to keep this in mind that you raise children. They're created for an eternity. Our children get to go somewhere. Warn them. Don't forget about hell in an age-appropriate way. But do it. Think also of mission work. Think of evangelization in, in town. Think of neighbors and colleagues. You're going to the eternal wrath of God. You don't say about it. You don't sit there how they can escape. You don't care. And remind yourself, there'll be something. One day, you have to give account. And one sin is enough to condemn us. We have many more. Congregation, the Lord Jesus is still stretching out his arms. And uh, although you have sinned against his love and not repent for so many years, you're still alive. And he is still inviting sinners to come unto him and to be saved. My Lord work there. I was Yesterday, I think, still look at the haste in the Bible. Haste, make haste. And I found something else that I was looking for. The make haste is often used in prayer. Not only that you must be make haste, but the, 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 the the child of the Lord is as Lord, Lord, make haste. So that's how we'd like to end. As Lord, Lord, make haste. Don't wait, Lord. Hurry, Lord. I've only one life. I must die. Make haste, oh my God. Rescue me. Amen.